Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's February 8th, 2019. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm a very broke Scott Long. Why are you broke? These home repairs. You know, I keep <laughs> telling my wife that we better to rent. Uh, oh, man, it's the other way around. <laughs> but never-ending string of people this week uh, coming just to take my money to make my house look uh, just as crappy as it did before, but actually work. So, um, but but today was funny. So uh, today I was getting my garage door fixed, right? And uh, and uh, when I went out to give the guy like my last dollar to my name, uh, he was like, uh, "What's Annie up?" Because I you probably saw the license plate and I had my Annie up shirt on. Yeah. Right. And uh, I'm like, oh, it's a poker magazine. They started. And uh, he's like, oh, that's awesome. He's like, all right, you, you'll probably like this because poker guys are math guys, right? And I'm like, well, <laughs> oh man, not this one. Not this one. <laughs> In theory, yes. <laughs> so uh, I thought those were pretty cool. So, uh, <laughs> I thought I was just gonna impromptu put it on the show here, right? Okay. Right. He's like, all right, so uh, three poker players. And he, he made it poker players. Didn't have to, right? But right. Playing to his audience, right? Three poker players want to want to get a hotel room for the night, and it's uh, thirty dollars. Oh my god, I don't know where he's getting this hotel room, by the way. But, wow, and why three guys need to share it? But anyhow, right? So thirty bucks. So they all put in ten bucks, right? Uh-huh. Um, and uh, so when they're checking out, the owner is like, "Oh man, you guys are super quiet." I'm like, I don't know, three guys and a motel room 30 hour motel room is going to sound like but uh <laughs> so he gave the the bellhop five bucks and he's like uh, go go give them five bucks um for being such good guests right so the bellhop uh is like oh my god how am i going to split five bucks three ways so he ends up deciding is he gives each of the guys a dollar and then he pockets two bucks himself you know you always got to watch his bellhops right yeah so now all three of the guys pay nine dollars for the room. That's twenty-seven dollars, and the bellhop has two bucks in his pocket. Where'd the other dollar go? Oh, jeez, this stupid stuff. <laughs> I mean, these these are like those stupid. Uh, it's not they, as stupid as five hundred dollars in repairs on a garage door. Yeah, I know. People think these are like mind twisters and stuff. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then they oh, fall man. for it too. They start trying to figure it out. It's like seriously. Unreal. Uh, well, I didn't spend a lot of time on it because I knew you were waiting to do the show. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it, it doesn't work out that he's like, yeah, that's right. It's just the way you present it. Oh, my heart. Thanks. You know? <laughs> and it had to be poker players, right? I mean, yeah. You know, he changed it to that. It could have been three anybody. Hope your 6 p.m. show is completely different than your 10 a.m. show was. <laughs> It'll be totally dirtier. They'll tell him he'll be saying what they actually do in the hotel room for 30 bucks in the, in the night show. Well, he started. You'll like this. He started it by saying three Yankees. 
And then he's like, oh, no, I'll make a poker player. So. <laughs> yeah, because they're interchangeable. <laughs> All right. Well, the Idiot Poker Tour of Tampa Bay Downs uh, kicked off with a field of 176 players in event one, uh, crushing the $10,000 guarantee in that event. And now we're down to the main event. And depending upon when, when you're listening to the show, you have up to five flights to enter the $250 event. Winner gets on the cover of the Antioch Magazine and a seat in the Antioch World Championship. And uh, so uh, main event flights are at 6 p.m. tonight, which is Thursday. What's the date today? <laughs> 7th. February 7th. And then uh, 1 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. So five chances to get in. Uh, one of our most inexpensive main events of all time. So uh, come out and uh, visit com slash silks for more details on that. And I tell you, I've been over there every day, of course, and um, I'm seeing a lot of faces, which I thought, but it's so funny that this room is like 10 minutes from my house. I'm seeing a lot of people that, a lot of people came in from out of town for this, which is great, from around Florida, uh, but also some people that were regulars there that I just haven't seen because I just haven't got over there much because, you know, life's just getting in the way now. How busy we are, but... Well, uh, picking up from picking up where we left off with a lot of folks over there. It's kind of nice. The real question is, though, have you shown up in your FDR pajamas and Abe Lincoln plushie slippers? That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I figure you're so close to home, you might just roll out of bed and end up on uh, seat 10. Of, oh, know. very true, very true, very true. <laughs> That's cool, oh, though. Good to know. That we didn't, uh, haven't announced before, I don't think, but uh, our um, Wisconsin ambassador, Chad Holloway, who's now head of live reporting for Poker News, um, is flying in today with, with their team, and they're going to be doing a live reporting um, of our main event um, on Poker News. Um, and then also they'll be doing live reporting for the main event of all our Andy Poker Tour events this year. So that's pretty exciting as it's well. very too. exciting. Very good and very legit. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had partnerships with Poker News before, and they've always worked out well. So I'm very excited about that, actually. Very good news. Yeah, I think it's going to be nice. So. Yeah, good deal. Come on down, and uh, I'll be there every day except for uh, Saturday. I got a little uh, community fundraiser I'm doing. But other than that, I'll be around and uh, say hi to me. And Screw the to community. Me. Yeah, I can't do that. You should follow Scott on Facebook. That's all he does. It's pretty incredible. <laughs> it's like every day he's at some bar saying, hey, thanks for buying a drink for me at this bar and that bar. And this, this bar is great. And <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Poker Pro Ellie Lesra, who has a new book out called Pulling the Trigger, appears to have underestimated the risk in agreeing to participate in an Ask Me Anything thread uh, on the 2 Plus 2 forum. Uh, forum administrator and book publisher Mason Malmuth uh, warned him the thread could get ugly, and, well, Chris, it did. Yeah. <laughs> After Lesra said he had never been staked, a handful of pros chimed in to dispute that claim, resulting in Lesra agreeing to an exclusive interview with Poker News to detail his outstanding debts and staking agreements, so uh, I'm not here to pile on that, but I I, I, I thought it was an interesting thing, and those here, I said, is it a cautionary tale, or is this worse? Um, at best, it's a cautionary tale, I think, right? Yeah, this was, you know what, it's one thing, it, here's the deal, if you're going to do something publicly, like run for office, you know, gotta make it sure you know what's, to do that. You're right, you gotta know what's in the closet, you know what skeletons are in there, and if you know, especially on a forum like Two Plus Two, where some people can be harsh, and uh, everybody knows everything, right? You know, on these forums, because there, there's so many people in the poker world that somebody's gonna know something you've done if you've done it, and 
It was. I read the whole story. It was brutal. And and I, you know what? We're here before I, you said you weren't piling on, and I'm not piling on either. But I gotta say, when Ellie gets interviewed after this whole debacle, and then in a quote, he lays ten to one odds that <laughs> yes. it's not a Musari, but it's his girlfriend. I'm thinking this is a sickness. Oh my God! And this so huge story about a guy who owes all this money all over the globe because he keeps losing and gambling, and then he lays odds in a story <laughs> for the woman who he thinks is actually writing the stuff down under this avatar or whatever this account. Uh, unreal, unreal. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny you brought that up because I, I laughed out loud when I saw that. And you know, he's ready to defend this and that, and he's like, "Oh, lay dead or not?" I'm like. What? <laughs> That's how you got in this hole in the first place. Little tone death there, my friend. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, yeah, there's a couple was... things here. One, um, I I appreciate the fact that uh, Mason warned him uh, before he got in. That was nice of him, right? Yeah. Um, but, wow, I, I'm not sure I'm really ready to do and ask me anything on 2 plus 2. I haven't been on 2 plus 2 in years. Um, it's it's a great forum for poker. I mean, it, it's it's where you get everything, all the rumors and everything are there. So not knocking it, but it just it was too much for me to handle. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, when you get into that kind of thing, ask me anything. That's that's dangerous, <laughs> especially when you know. I mean, the first thing he says basically in the story or in the the comments of the ask me anything answers was like, yeah, when I was I I have always staked myself, you know, it was a hundred percent myself, and I'm like. If you borrowed a dime from anyone, someone's going to come out of the woodwork for that. Then it turns yeah, I can't out even might... say that. I'm sure I've been in a tournament and I didn't have enough for the buy-in, and somebody's, hey, here, here's ten bucks. You know, hey. you know. I mean, at, that, at that point, you're not staking yourself, even if you give the ten bucks back. At, yeah. You know, yeah. right? So, I mean, it, it's a pretty outlandish thing for any poker player to say because, particularly, how rampant staking and backing and all that is, anyhow. So. To even make that kind of claim, and then the thing, even if these other pros that that, that chimed in and had information that you know shows that who is wrong, I got to think a lot of people are gonna not believe you, right? Yeah. And then you're just starting a whole, oh, how could that be? Blah blah blah. You know, it's 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 just not a statement, even if it was true that I would make in that forum. You got to be very careful when you're in those forums about stuff like that. And and, and what's the upside, right? I know. I. I does that make them want to buy your book more because you paid for every tournament and cash game you ever entered on your own accord? I mean, it doesn't make a difference anyway. Why even say that? I mean, ultimately, he admitted to a million-dollar loan, of which he paid back some of it already. But right. I mean, all right, I, I, I get it. I can, I get it if you, I, I forget that maybe you gave me 20 bucks at Ocala Poker one day to get me to tournament, Chris, right? Yeah. But I'm not going to remember, uh, forget, I don't think, a million-dollar loan. <laughs> I'm going to think that's probably going to be the only thing I remember about anything until I have paid off, right? Wow. Yeah, and there was other stuff in there, too, that was questionable. I don't want to give it all away because people will want to probably follow up on this on their own. But, I mean, has the FBI involved? It has mafia ties now. It's it's an enjoyable little – if it wasn't – if it didn't paint poker players as horrible people like that always does, it would be fantastic reading for us, right? Yeah, yep. And that's all it did. When I read it, I just kept thinking, "Uh, what did I get myself into?" Does not help our cause, right? <clears throat> no, no. But uh, hey, we're not those people. We're uh, that's why we like to be just uh, average Joe poker players when we're on the show. Because we ever actually got serious about it, we'd probably fall into this life of you know 
loaning and you know and that happens too that's happened in the past in our business people come up to us and they're like hey why don't you guys start a staking company and because you know all these players and you're right and you can write about them and get them more pr and that's how they'll get more gigs and i'm like mm, we're not doing that scott <laughs> we're not doing that <clears throat> unbelievable um uh, the worst thing, not the worst thing, but another thing that's it, it's unfortunate though is that uh, I think Ali would be an interesting person to read a book written by him. Right? Yeah. He's, you know, he had all these businesses. That's how he funded his poker. I mean, that part of his life I think would be fascinating to read. And um, but now, I mean, who has any desire to read the book now? Right? Because how, how are you going to know if anything's true in it? And plus, wasn't he like in the Israeli army or something? I think mean, he he's had oh, a yeah, pretty right. yeah, remarkable yeah. life on top of it too. Yeah, um, it's just a shame that it, it's come to this. He's one of my when he was on the shows, he was one of my favorite people Always on the show. Watch, right? Always yeah. fun to watch, and and uh, so I, remember, I still remember one big hand where he had Ace Ace, and he was in it with I think Sammy Farhami, one other person, and it was a big big hand. I mean, it was like they each put in more than six figures into the middle and. And to me, it was like, how can you keep going with those aces? But he made the right read, and he was right, and he won all the money. But it was just, it was just so fascinating to watch him and watch them. And and when you hear the the commentators tell you the stuff that's only on the surface that yeah, he has all these string of businesses, and that's how he can afford to do this, blah blah blah. And then you find out later now that you know, yeah. you know, yeah. and then the, the 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 whatever it was, the crash or whatever you want to call it, that hurt his businesses, and the but uh yeah, it's it's a fascinating. By the way, the thing. same year that we started Annie up, so that's true. That is true. <laughs> we were stupid, um, but he it, it's a fascinating story, and you should probably go on to uh, two plus two and, and check it out. It's pretty interesting. Well, if, yeah, if you don't want to go on two plus two, like I never went on two plus two even when I read this, but uh, the poker news story yeah. is it's yeah. got a lot of detail, so yeah, we check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but wow, <laughs> very good. All right, uh, Libertus. Libertus? I I think it's uh, Libratus, but I don't Libratus. know. Oh, that sounds better. I like that. Yeah, it's more rock band name. <laughs> it, it is, isn't it? It's like an eighties hair band. Libratus, the poker computer <laughs> that took six hundred seventy-seven thousand dollars in play money off some of the best poker professional uh, players in the world. Probably why Ali had to get a loan from someone, right? <laughs> uh, anyhow, that, that poker computer has a new job now, Chris. Uh, the computer will work for the Pentagon for the next two years for ten million dollars. Helping the U.S. military keep ahead of China and Russia in the use of artificial intelligence for national security. So finally, good news for poker players out there. See, <laughs> poker can actually save our country. Uh, how does a how does a computer uh, turn in his resignation? How does that work? I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's going to happen when he finds out what it's like to work there. Uh, interesting, though. Very interesting. Um, I don't know what this means. Like I. I because it's it can figure out how to play cards, it's going to figure out AI for security. Uh, that's, that's that's some crazy computer. Yeah, well, I mean, it just shows that how much artificial intelligence has taken over our world. And don't want to scare anybody, but you go back and watch that movie Her a couple of years ago that was an Oscar nominee, and I'm like, wow, this could happen. <laughs> it's probably going to happen at some point. Computers are going to own us, right? Yeah. Um, so in the meantime, yeah, you, you're looking for any advantage, uh, particularly if you're, you know, from national security standpoint, that you can to make sure that you're ahead of it and your opponents or your rivals are not, right? So the fact that uh, you've got a poker computer that uh, is taking a, a game that is not solvable and shown that it can be very powerful 
that's that's definitely something worth investing some money in. I think so. Yeah, should be interesting. Do you think we'll get updates on this now, or now that it's part of the Pentagon, we'll never hear about it again? Yeah, that's true. We're, we're going to wait for whistleblowers and leakers. And that's stuff. right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we're going to get a press release from the U.S. military. <laughs> Uh, any updates? Scott will be one of the celebrity bounties in the 50K Guarantee inaugural Golden Tap Tournament on February 15th that will officially open Hummel Casino's uh, poker room just outside San Diego. Other bounties include ESPN's Norman Chad, pro player Tiffany Michelle, local radio hosts Ben Ann Woods, and one or two other poker celebrities to be named still. Uh, registration begins on February 11th, and daily satellites starting at 65 bucks will run every day that week. For more info, can be found at Hamul Casino SD. That's J A M U L Casino SD dot com. Our 2019 Antioch Polar Cruise schedule includes an eight night Southern Caribbean adventure and two shorter weekend cruises. Passengers on all sailings get a one month membership to advanced poker training and a quick reference poker odds card from the gambling dot com. More info, including how you can win your way on board all through February at Rivers Casino and Resorts Connectedy in New York and running Aces Casino in Racetrack near Minneapolis, visit AntiochCruises.com. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.antiupmagazine.com and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is set up with J-Design playing cards, the official playing cards of Antiup Poker Cruises, available at classicplayingcards.com. This is Marshall Butler. He says, what can we do to bring back online poker to the United States? It's been too long. I've been watching a bunch of streams on Twitch, but what else should I be doing to get ready for the return of online poker, hoping it's sooner rather than later? Well, he's got two questions here. I realized the second one I didn't really answer on our room bag, but uh, the first one I would say, as we keep talking about on the show, it, it, it looks almost assuredly like this is going to happen state by state, right? Yeah. So we already got three states online. we got a couple more that are close, um, and the good thing is they're pooling players, so that helps. Um, certainly not what we want, but that seems to be the only real workable solution at this point. Uh, I don't hear anybody talking about it on a federal level yet, which would be unfortunate. Um, now, that being said, uh, you know, two of our great uh, sponsors, uh, America's Card Room is still a U.S.-facing site, and uh, Global Poker, which has a really unique way of using the sweepstakes uh, rules to not make it sound like a sweepstakes site. Uh, so you, you do have some options right now, um, but uh, it's going to be quite a while, I think, before we have anything that resembles what we used to have before Black Friday. Um, you know, even if we got all 50 states on it, that's never going to happen because Utah's never going to allow online poker, right? Right. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a while before. Again, as we said, what we really need is a really big state. We need California or Florida or Texas or New York to get in on on it, and that's that's probably going to help a lot. Um, and there's been some talk in at least a couple of states, so that, that could happen. But for right now, it's uh, we got a couple small states out there doing it. So it's an uphill battle, especially with that recent Wire Act reevaluation crap that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, or whatever. You know, that's just going to make it harder and harder. And um, but I mean, as for what you can actually do, uh, if you know where you live. There are politicians who are in favor of that kind of thing. Then you can call them and remind them, hey, this is a way you can make a lot of money for your state and for your government, and it's perfectly legitimate. Um, and if you're in a state where they aren't those types of politicians, then you can work effectively for the other side and try to get them elected. Uh, or you can still call and complain and say, hey, look, 
let's reason with this and talk to your politicians. So some of them answer their phones. Some of them don't. Some of them get their messages. Some of them don't. You can write and campaign. Do a lot of things you can do. Try to keep it in their in their minds. You know, try to reason with them. Some of them you can't. Some are just they vote party lines or whatever. But you never know. Uh, the other thing too is that you can also call other states. You know, uh, you don't have to just call your own senator and your own representative. I mean, I know somebody. Uh, I'm friends with someone who has a problem with something else, and she calls like all over the country and talks to people all the time and says, this is ridiculous, you shouldn't be doing this, or, or whatever it is that she's complaining about. So it doesn't have to necessarily be your state either. I mean, you could, some people live near enough other states where you might have a better shot at getting that state to do something or whatever. So just be active. Maybe something will happen. We do our best with the magazine. You know, we're constantly writing our publisher's column about, you know, why this is a good thing and why we should allow it. And, um, you know, just uh, that, you know what, I remember last week, Remember last week, Scott, when we were talking on the show, and before the show started, I said I had a point that I wanted to make, and I couldn't remember it, and it kept getting old. Now I'm remembering it. Remember <laughs> the, 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 the guy who has the, the last wish with Dan Negreanu? Yes, yes. That guy can't leave his house. That guy is, is you know, he's bedridden or whatever it is, and, and when for him to fly to Vegas, it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be a huge ordeal to get him out there. That guy can't just get up and go to the poker room like it's easily done. Right. Right. So something like that, a story like that needs to get out about why we should be able to play poker from our home on a computer because there are people who can't leave, who can't go out, who want to experience, who want to enjoy this great pastime of ours and play cards. So that's a kind of story, too, that you can take with you when you talk to people about this. Say, what about this poor guy who loves poker, loves it so much that his dying wish is to meet Dan Negreanu and to play with him. And so he loves poker so much, but, you know, he can't get a home game together or whatever. He wants he wants to be able to just sit in his bed with his laptop and be able to play. And that's what he did. That's how he got good. That's how he played, you know. So those are the types of stories that you can share, that kind of angle. And that's what I wanted to talk about last week or whatever it was, and I forgot. But, uh Yeah. yeah. I remember. Good yeah, point. Yeah, and that's that's how you that's how you get it done. You know, uh, we'll do our part. We promise. We'll do our part on our end, and you guys can do your part. And we'll see. Maybe someday, but state by state does seem like the only way it's going to happen. Provided that wirex not going to kill it. Well, yeah. The other party said uh, to get ready for the return. I'm, I'm assuming that means he wants to, if it, when it comes back in his state, he wants to be ready to, to crush those games and. Uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, live poker is your best option for that. That may not be um, doable where you are uh, for all kinds of reasons. Um, but certainly there are uh, ways to even uh, practice online, even if you're not playing for real money. Um, and certainly you can uh, check out, uh, I'm not trying to uh, overly promote our sponsors today, but uh, advancedpokertraining.com. Um, is a really fantastic resource. Uh, they have a, a poker room on there where you can play a little bit, but they also have a lot of training modules, and uh, you can set up um, every scenario. situation, right? Pretty much any scenario. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or you get dealt a pocket pair every single time, and uh, and practice all that as well too. So uh, there are definitely things you can do online right now before um, online poker comes back in your state uh, to get you prepared for it. So that's what I'd suggest. Yeah. Very good. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at antietmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Checker tell you how he would have ruled. It comes from Matt Bodorf. 
one of our uh, good friends and incredible player out in California, right? Absolutely. Says we're on a multi-flight 100K guarantee with 19 players left in flight A. Uh, it says I'm the blind blind, but I think he might be the big blind. Nope. Yeah, I'm the big blind and the short stack uh, at the table. Uh, and he's looking to double up. The under-the-gun player hesitates, then shoves his stack, having me covered. It's folded around to me. As I'm peeking at my cards, the all-in player asks if the first one is any good. I say yes. He asks if the second is any good. I say yes again. If it matters, the player and myself are friendly and have known each other for many years. I'm in seat two. Seat three is empty. The all-in player is in seat four. At this point, I look at him, and he lifts his cards up. The players on either side of him would have easily seen both cards. He's holding them for a few moments. I move my head over to sneak a peek since he's got them up and exposed. He immediately puts them back down. Everyone laughs, but the player says he believes that's against poker etiquette. I believe he may actually be upset if I called after this and won. If it matters, I couldn't see much. I ended up folding but conversation ensued. Nobody at the table except the all-in player was sure if what I did uh, was at all wrong. The all-in player's explanation was because I had to work hard to find, uh, to lean over and see, uh, it was a bad move. So if I was one seat over, I would have been okay in his book. Totally different situation when you see someone's cards and they aren't intentionally holding them up for others to see. We know what the right thing to do is there, and I always inform uh, a player and, in, and never intentionally try to see another player's cards. Uh, so that's not the question. Should he uh, not have had his cards held up showing his neighbor? Uh, was I in the wrong uh, to try to sneak a peek when he uh, offered to others? What do you think the floor would have said if one was called? Wow. Yeah, this one is interesting. Um, not surprised that our friend Matt sent it in <laughs> because he has a different way, different style poker than I do. Okay. Uh, we've talked about a lot. So, but here's what Elliot says first. Uh, TDA rules 67 and 68 take away a player's right to show their cards prior to the showdown, and therefore there is no established right for a player to determine to whom uh, they will or not show cards. This is an important concept in tournament play, but it may not. Uh, apply. If the player in seat four was undoubtedly trying to show the player in seat five their cards, that a penalty should have been applied after the hand. This doesn't necessarily sound like the case, though. I appreciate how you initially informed us that seat three was empty and then quite passively said that players on either side of him would have easily seen both cards. Officially, you were the player on their right, and you had to lean over in order to, to still fail to see the cards. At that point, the violation was squarely on the shoulders of seat four. You should have called the floor then and there. As there were no active players that could have seen the cards, I would have ruled that the show one show all applies and the cards would have had to been shown after play of the hand was complete and the pot was awarded. A penalty of some sort, likely one hand absence, would have been enforced as well. Your leaning over to see a friendly player's cards makes you a possible participant in collusion against the rest of the field. They were holding up the cards, you leaned over to peek. Uh, then they did little to nothing to discourage you from seeing the cards. I would have ruled this a violation of one player to a hand and a form of collusive behavior on the part of both you and C4. No amount of all caps tweeting would be effective. <laughs> uh, both of you would have been given a penalty of some sort. As it was, C4 saved you from something most of us would have done and the ensuing penalty. Let's face it, most of us feel the same way as the rest of the players at that table. If someone wants to show us their cards, why stop them? The information they were possibly giving away was incredibly value, 
valuable to you in that moment. The effort you expended in seeing the cards is not relevant, contrary to what seat four claims. Seat four failed to adequately protect their hand and possibly expose their cards. Your working harder to see them doesn't mitigate their action in any way. Seat four is partially right in that any extra effort you expended to look at the cards is neither cricket nor poker, but they are not without fault nor absolved of anything. Seat four simply should have kept their cards face down the table, which would have made this entire situation moot. This is why the TDA uh, summits always take forever. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Right? I mean, this is this is like the def- very definition of, of why people will argue. I mean, you could easily say, hey, I have every right to move my body around in my seat and look around at things, and this guy wants to hold his cards up, and I want to bend over and look at him. How can you say I'm colluding? You know? This guy's being uh, a jerk with his cards, and he's trying to show everybody his cards, so I'm going to look. Now, what's the difference between me having peripheral vision and seeing something and me turning my head and seeing something? You know, right. it's. I mean, I'm not saying I'm looking for a back and forth now with this. I'm just saying this is why people can get into hours-long discussions about minutiae with poker, you know. <laughs> How about everybody just sits their ass down and plays cards and stops being dorks? There, that's rule. That should be rule one of the TDA, not what's best for the game. Rule one: don't be a dork. There, I've solved all the problems. What's next? World hunger? I love it. I love it. Thank you. Oh man, yeah, this is just—I mean, my jaw just kept dropping and dropping the more I read this when it came in. So the fact that I think it's still uh, it's got some crumbs that I picked up from the ground. That's how far it got down. Uh, I, I don't even know where to start with this. Um, one, what is Seaport doing? Even thinking about picking up his cards and just like, what's he doing? Some kind of magic trick? Is he like twirling <laughs> an umbrella like he's a backup dancer for Katy Perry? What, what is he trying to do, right? He's in a shark outfit. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, I just, I, I can't even imagine crawling into his brain and figuring out what he thought he was trying to do by picking up his cards and and then oh, the audacity to say well my god why are you trying to look at these cards that i'm holding up i know uh, where does that even come from um so that that part i knew was clearly like this has got to be a penalty here he's exposing cards whether they make us see him or not um, certainly he's a Deutsche Bank for now getting mad at Matt for trying to sneak a peek, right? Uh, it, it, none of that makes any sense to me. None of that. Now, of course, my friend Matt here, he, he, he likes to, he's a table talker. This is what I'm saying. We're a little bit different. So a lot of the situations he sends in are usually because he likes to table talk and gets himself in what I, what I say, probably Elliot agrees at times is gets him in trouble if he didn't do that. And, and here's a scenario where, you know, all right. So the guy put up the car, picked up the cards uh, our ethical debate here is whether you should strain your neck to look at him or or not try to look at it. Um, in this particular situation, no one was around him, so uh, around the player holding the card, so it wasn't like he wasn't getting information that anybody else was. So it'd be a little bit different if there were actually other players there that could see it. But uh, but no, I don't think I'm craning my neck here. Um, but I, I I guess in all his love and all is fair and love and war, right? All is love and fair and war. All is um, love and fair and <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. Ethically, yeah, it's probably not cool. Obviously, it, you know, if the guy is fooling around on one side, but does and you might have been just kind of being jovial with him as well with what you were doing and stuff. But you're actually trying to see the guy's cards because he's got them. 
and then you could flip the switch and say, all right, so what's the difference between him accidentally exposing him or being uneducated with the way to look at cards, and you can see him out of the corner of your eye, and him holding them straight up in the air, and then you intentionally looking at them. You know what I mean? It, yeah, ethically, you should probably say, hey, dude, put your cards down because I shouldn't be tempted. I'm giving you a warning. Jo- stop joking around or whatever because I'm going to look at them. You know, that's one thing, but to physically look at them, to, to strain and whatever, yeah, ethically, that's probably stepping over the line. Um, but at the same time, the other guy was being the DB, so, yeah. you know. And he well, the bigger to- thing is, and this is what I wrote Matt back before Elliot even wrote back, and I'm not surprised at all that Elliot referenced collusion twice in his response here, right, is regardless of whatever happens here, whether it's penalties, whether C4 was right, whether Matt was right, whether both were wrong, whatever, right, the the bigger illustration here is he mentioned that they're they're they know each other well and they're friendly, right? right. When when that's the case, I, I think you have to be even more cognizant of what's going on at the table and how you are being perceived by other players because right. there are a number of players out there that are just looking to call people out for cheating, right? <laughs> or collusion. That's just what they do. They're always always on edge. And even if you're not, and it certainly doesn't sound like that was the case here. Um, you have to worry about somebody assuming that that's what's going on. So I'm not suggesting you don't be chummy with people at the table. Um, you know, we all play poker, number one, to have fun, I hope. Um, and part of that is getting to know your fellow players and and having fun. But this is a situation where no matter how it, it came down, I promise you there were some people at the table that didn't know these players as well and walked away saying, I think these guys got something going on. Mm-hmm. And as a player, you don't want anybody ever to assume that right. with you, right? So I think you need to be really careful about that in this situation and uh, not being too jovial and too chummy um, that you're doing things that other players um, either know is wrong or think is wrong or are assuming is wrong. Yeah, that's a point. I was a point I was going to make, too, so that's that's spot on. I mean, it's the uh, illusion of, of collusion. Illusion of collusion. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that get you in trouble. Then, then that's why you, they don't. They can't read your mind. They don't know what you're doing as a floor or as a dealer, and so, and of course, as other players. So if if they come over to that table, they have to act as if that's what could happen. So you're going to get a penalty. So on top of it being unethical, you know, it's it's actually kind of against the game's rules. So yeah, yeah, yeah. just just cut it out, everybody. Stop being dorks. <laughs> rule number one. New rule number one. <laughs> we have a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I am Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a 25 cent, 50 cent PL08 home game. We know this home game. It usually runs six-handed, and it's split down the middle. Three know what they're doing. Three are natural hold'em players who can get huge stacks or get into a lot of trouble. The blinds post. The under-the-gun calls. This player started the hand with 125. He is a natural hold'em player who plays way too many hands in PLO8 and overvalues them big time. It's hard to put him on a range because what he thinks are good hands, I wouldn't necessarily consider good. We get two folds and are on the button with 175, up 75, and the ace of spades, queen of hearts, jack of hearts, four of spades. This is a good hand, especially six-handed. We are going to make a raise. We bump it to $2. Hopefully, this will get out any ace trays and get us heads up. 
we get what we want as the blinds fold but the under the gun calls. The pot is 475 and the flop is interesting. The queen of spades, queen of clubs, tray of diamonds comes down. The under the gun wastes little time in betting pot, 475. We triple his bet and make it 1425 to go. I'm pretty sure we're ahead here. We flopped top trips, top kicker. We have a backdoor nut flush draw and a backdoor low draw. We're really only behind trays or queen tray, and while those are certainly likely, I'm thinking that's more monsters under the bed. Our opponent slows down for a minute to think and then calls. With 33.25 in the pot, the turn is the five of hearts. This is an interesting card because it puts a low draw out there, but really doesn't scare me too much. However, our opponent once again leads out for $20. I could be wrong here, but I just really don't think he has a full house. He typically likes to trap with boats. However, I'm not feeling confident enough to raise. We call. The pot is 73.25 and the river is the 10 of hearts. Our opponent bets $40, leaving him about 48.75 behind. So, if we call and lose, we're down to 98.75. The pot is at 113.25. What's the move? It's time for the AdvancedPokerTrain.com Hand of the Week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiapmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Uh, Phil in back in the house here, Chris, and you're going to love it. It's a limit hand. Oh, well, then send it to me, and I'll do it with you instead. You're the limit <laughs> guy. I actually, you know what's funny is I've actually grown to really enjoy limit poker in our home See? game. I knew this would happen. I, I really have. <clears throat> It's just a different style of poker. It right? is. It's a different game. It's it's the same game, but it's different. And you, you realize that, then you, you find enjoyment in it. So. Yeah. All right. Uh, Phil says, I've always wondered how you would play this hand. Years ago in a Vegas casino, I was a bad player in 4-8 limit hold'em, a 10-handed game with full kill, and this is a kill hand for 8-16. I think I bought it twice for 100 bucks each. Uh, he says, in the big blind, um, he's in the big blind uh, with uh, $500 in a stack. Uh, the undergun player, who he describes as a decent player, raises the 16 and gets three callers from the field, including the kill button. Uh, after a call from the small blind, who he describes as a bad player, it is on us, and we have King King. Call. Call? Yeah, I, I don't... In my mind, th- this is the biggest difference between no limit hold'em and limit hold'em for me, and why I used to get so frustrated in this game when I play at your house because I would get a hand like this and I would put in a bunch of money knowing that everyone was going to call and I I wasn't going to get them out and I shouldn't have done that. I should have tried to... Knowing that there's already at least four guys in this hand and that no one's going to go anywhere for me to make it, I guess, would be... Twenty-four dollars. Uh, yes, twenty. <clears throat> I I just see that all I'm doing is giving these people the perfect odds to call again and then draw out on me. Because not if there's four guys in the hand, I got king king. There are a lot of people who are speculating in this hand, and they don't have a better hand than me. You know, there's no way one other guy's got king kings and two of the other guys got ace 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 ace. It's just not happening. So, you know, for me to put more money in the middle now and then give them. There's no way they're folding for another bet. And so now there's going to be so much money in that pot, close to like 150 or so, that they're going to call any bet I make later, and they're probably going to have the right odds. So I'm going to want to just see the flop 
and then play accordingly after that. There's no reason to put more money in. There's a big enough pot as it is. I just don't see myself. It'd be one thing if it's an effective raise. You know, if it was like raise and it gets to me and I can make it two beds cold to people behind me. But I'm in the I'm in the blind, so I'm already at a disadvantage. And then on top of it, I've got a ton of money in the middle that no one's going anywhere for. So they're going to see it to the end. And the odds of your king-king holding up uh, is not very good. So I'm going to at least want to try to mitigate my losses. Or I don't think you're going to max value your hand by capping it here. I don't think that's going to happen. So I'm just calling. All right. Uh, this is an automatic raise in my book. So, well, and we got king-king. There's only one hand that's better than us. There are, uh, what, three callers plus, um, uh, actually, no, four callers plus the other guy. So there's five other people already in this hand. Only two of them can possibly have a better hand than we have. So um, you're right. There are other people speculating. That's why we need to make them pay to speculate here. So I'm definitely raising here. And then on top of that, uh, it's not capped yet. So the under the gun player probably i can almost assume is going to raise us again too so to your point it's going to be two bets cold to some of these players not one getting around so there there will be i think um some folks that that bow out of this and that's fine um and if we can get uh get down to three-handed maybe even i doubt we're gonna get heads up with the end of the gun but that's not bad but if not then at least we're, we're getting money in when we had the best of it um you know, part of limited knowing when to get out of the pot later on because you can't just shove people off a of hand. So, you know, if that ace comes on the flop, then yeah, all right. Um, we put a lot, we put 24, maybe $32 in, but that's what you have to do. Um, and of course, if a king comes, then we're fantastic. But uh, but uh, we definitely have to raise here. This is, I think this is basic limit here. You, when you have a good hand, you keep putting the pressure on until there's reason not to. So. All right. Well, I've I I I was forgetting that. Well, one thing I was forgetting that you can make it another. The other guy could make it another bet. I was thinking that we would we would be capping it. I was forgetting that it was. I was thinking our bet would cap it so that no one would fold after that. But even that, I still I still going to disagree. I'm, I'm going to think that betting again. What seems to be if you're if you're first of all if you're playing in a kill game, you probably like action. If you're Calling a $16 raise cold, you know, uh, and you clearly don't have ace-ace or king-king, then you've got some money to burn, and you're you're not folding for one bet or two bets, it seems. You didn't fold for two bets in the first place. Why would you fold again? Right? Huh? So, I mean, you know, that's what we want. I mean, now the board can get gnarly. But I don't want ten players in a hand when I have king-king. Well, so no, the point of raising. I don't think that's going to happen here. I mean, again, we're going to probably going to get raised by the under gun, and we're going to thin this field, and then we're going to end up with maybe somebody that has aces, um, but everybody else, we've got a better hand then. So, that's the other thing too is that I just I'm trying to figure out what player would now raise me again. If somebody's raising me again, then they have ace ace, and they're playing their hands face up, and I'm. I don't losing. know that. I would I would <clears throat> put another bet in here if I'm under the gun with queens. Yeah, I, I just I can't see that happening with a five-player yeah. field. Absolutely, and the other thing too, and I, I forgot. I'm glad you reminded me. This is a kill hot too. But you know, I talk about this at Omaha. I'm like, once you get in these kill, depends on the players in the game. But a fair amount of the people in a kill game are not comfortable with the kill. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're playing double the stakes that they're comfortable playing in. So now that's when you you really start punishing them. And um, now, of course, we got a good hand here, so I want some more value out of it, but. 
but I would even be raising here with uh, a lesser hand uh, because I know it's going to drive some people out that have chopped it, uh, thrown in 16 bucks, and that I want that dead money in there. You know, if we can get two or three of these folks to fold and have put 16 in, that's 30, 32, 40, that's 50 bucks in there that, that's now down to us and whoever's left. So all the more reason to raise, I think, so. All right, our hero agrees with me, of course. E three best at twenty four dollars. Of course, he did describe himself as a very bad player. <laughs> right, right. Uh, Under the gun raises the four bets. Everyone folds except for the small blind who calls, and now back to us with one bet left if we want it. Oh, well, I, I've already stated my point. Um, again, now it seems like the end of the gun. If he did do what he did, and the small blind calls, small blind doesn't have us beat. But the under the gun. I mean, unless he's horrible, I mean, he could have a he could have ace ace or king king two. Sure, absolutely. I just I don't know. I don't know if I raise again, but I guess yeah. Got at this I, point, this I don't know. A, this is a different scenario than our first decision is here. I, I when we when we raise here, we now it's capped, so mm-hmm. we can't count on the other gun raising and making it more expensive for the small blind. So that that's no longer a consideration. Um, so now we're just getting another sixteen in. Now, obviously, there's one. Well, I shouldn't say obviously. It's possible that somebody else has king-king, too. But one of these players has a weaker hand. Um, but at this point, uh, I'm not going to be necessarily scared of ace-ace, but I, that's a very real possibility from under the gun here. So to throw in an extra bet here right now, I don't know. I'd rather – I'll get that money later on in the hand depending on how the, the board comes down. I don't yeah. to throw another 16 in here and cap it. So. Uh, now, I guess the only argument for capping is here is Undergun doesn't have aces. Now we, we keep the doubt in his mind that we have. Because if we don't, why would we not bet here? Why would we not cap it with aces? Hmm. I didn't think about that. Well, the other thing, too, is earlier in the hand, you're ta- or in the description, you're talking about uh, this, is, this is basic limit. We have the second best hand. We're going to bet and bet and bet and get as much money as we can in the middle while we can, while we don't see the board. So now when you have a chance to bet again, now you don't want to? I don't understand that. You'd have to yeah, bet again. No, no, I actually, I just talked myself into it by thinking that that I need to I, I need to put that bet in now to, to give the illusion they have aces. And, and and also because I have a decent hand, so uh, at least a hand that beats one of these players, if not both. So, All right, see, so yeah, I just talked myself into the, for having to, to cap this thing. All right. Yay, we're going to lose more hero. now. So our hero caps it, so he's not as bad as he thinks he is right now. <laughs> Uh, both players call. Um, so there's 168 bucks going to the flop. So see, you don't need to play no limit for big pots. Jeez. Flop is nine, nine, ten. The two spade, or two clubs and a spade, and we do not have a club. Small blind checks, and it's on us. Well, you know uh, the German word for no is <laughs> nine, nine, nine. <laughs> No, nah, I, yeah, I guess you have to bet, especially the way you play. Well, here, here's it's why you have flop. to bet. Um, the ace didn't come, um, so our kings could still be good. Um, we need to figure out what the other guns are going to do here. Now, I, I would imagine he's going to raise us here, and if he raises us here now, uh, that that gives us one more reason to think that he has aces, and maybe we need to calm down with that. He raises his, uh, his a chance to get the small blind out. Um, and so at this point, um, to your point, we don't want him to run us down. So that's not a bad scenario either. Um, the only danger here, though, is that... Well, I, no, here, if we bet, 
well, let's say that small blind who's described as a bad player has a nine. Now he's going to raise when he gets back to us. So let's say we bet now under the gun raises, small blind re-raises. Now we can lay this down with a clear conscience, right? Mm. Well, all right. So we bet out, we see it get raised, and then the small blind makes it three bets. Then we can fold, right? Right. Now, I guess you could also argue we could check here with the undergun bet and the small blind raises then. It's the same scenario and saves us eight bucks. So, um, but but I just can't check when I think I've I've, I've got one of the two best hands here. I, I'm not going to pre flop. Now you've got like the <laughs> fourth best, fifth uh, best hand. Yeah. I mean, I any nine, any. Tabaka tens and any nine now be you plus aces. We're not getting information by checking. We need to. Uh, I, this eight bucks is a, is the canary in the coal mine for me. I gotta I gotta put that eight bucks out there yeah. and see what happens. Like I said, if we get raised and re-raised, I'm easily out. If we get raised and call, probably going to see one more card. Uh, the checks are. I mean, if everybody folds and we win, right? right. Uh, so I, yeah, I got to bet here. I got to I got to figure out what's going on. Yeah, I got to bet. But if it gets back to me more money than it was when I went in, and there was another raise on top of that, then I'm getting out. But if it's oh, a call, absolutely. then I'm just calling. I'm not raising again. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. Let's see what happens here. Uh, so he says, small blind checks. We bet right. Uh, under the gun raises. Small blind calls. Yeah, I just call. I call and see another card. I got the. There's so much money out there. I'm not. I'm taking this to the end, but I'm hoping to hit a king somewhere along the way. And if not, I'm hoping that my kings, you know, can fade queens and some draw or something. But the, the other reason to bet too, which I don't think you mentioned, is to protect your hand, which is regard, which is ridiculous because there's so much money out there you probably aren't going to be able to. But it's still a pretty wet board. Nine ten. Uh, easy to street, straight can be complete on the next street. Two clubs, a flush can be complete on the next street. You might as well make them pay, even though it's. They're getting a ton of odds on their money. You're never going to get them to fold now, but you're kind of trying to make them pay at least something to try to draw out on you. Um, right. But, yeah, I'm just calling now. I'm not raising again. There's no way. Yeah, at this point, I, I can't keep up the illusion of having aces now because there's just too many people in this. I mean, too many people being two people in this hand. So uh, call and, and, and now see what happens on the uh, the turn. Because right. the pot is big enough, too, that Fancy, you don't yeah. need to try to make the pot grow for one pair. You know what I mean? It's one thing if you have the nuts and you're being tricky about it and trying to be really cool and trying to get the most money out of these people. But now, a bunch of hands beat you. So let's let's be cool about it and just try to get to the end with showdown value. Um, all right. Uh, our hero raises again. Oof. And under the gun raises. And the small blind calls back to us. Uh. Just call. We're in the same situation. Nothing changed. It's more money. Yeah, at this point, I mean, there's so much in there. We are definitely in trouble here now. So, but there's so much in there. We got to make this one last call and hope hope to spike that king. Um, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure at this point now that we're we're dead to one of the kings, right? Mm. Oh, I think could be. Now, of course, you know a jack could come, and then now we pick up a straight draw, <laughs> which would be really brutal. Um, but that's not going to help if. We're up against pocket tens right. and the boat, right? right. So, um, all right. Uh, so he says the preflop action is indicative of aces, kings, queens, and ace king, and we have most of that range dominated. Um, so we cap it, and both players call. <laughs> what a hand! All right, turn is the king of clubs. 
So nine, nine, ten, king, but three clubs out there. And um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to see what the small blind does here. Uh, small blind checks to us. Yeah, I'll bet now. I mean, because yeah, this is the card we're this is the car home for, and we we did sort of take an aggressive line the whole hand. So it's not like now they're gonna think, oh, you got the flush. You know, because you weren't betting like you had a flush. You were betting it strong the whole way. So you're still selling that illusion that it could be aces and you're not afraid of the king. And you could have the ace of clubs in your hand. So you're confident in betting it because a club could come on the river kind of stuff. So there's no reason not to bet now. There's no illusion anymore. It's just let's get the money in the middle and see what happens. Yeah, and, and to your point, I mean, this is one of the scenarios where it was good the way we played it up until then, even though you and I would play it a little differently, is now, you know... Uh, we've been betting absolutely as strongly as we possibly could the entire time, and now we got the card we need. Um, so we're only losing the one hand now, pocket nines, right? So now we keep the betting and hope that we keep getting raised, and of course hope that those nines aren't out there. Right. <laughs> uh, but this is a great scenario for us now. So absolutely. Um, all right. So let's see. Our hero says. Uh, um, if we look at the pre-flop action, we should have everyone dominated now. Same action as the flop on term. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, we bet it gets raised, and we cap it. <laughs> wow. 528 deposits, we go to the river. Jeez. And, yeah, should we agree with the action? I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, we're down to one hand that beats us. Um, now, now I guess we got to sit back and, and think about our players here. So um, the other gun is described as a good player, right? So for him to still be in here, I mean, what does he have? Aces, right? But even aces, I think at this point would be worried now because now you've got he's got to already be worried about the pocket nines out there. He's got to be worried about the tens being out there. Now he's got to be worried about pocket kings, which is in everybody's range now, right? And even if nobody has any of that, now there's a flush out there and a possible straight out there. So aces can't stay in his hand, right? From a good player. Yeah. So he's got to have one of the other great hands. And again, we have the second best hand, so, right? Yeah. The only thing that beats us is quad nines. And I'm trying to figure out if quad nines would have played it the way any of these players would have played their hand. I mean, with the, the third nut, so maybe the clubs make it possible for a straight flush to be out there. Yep. Yeah. Oh, he does say possible straight flush. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah. The king nine ten queen jack of clubs is, is a straight flush. So I just wonder if if there's a hand if the if it's possible that we're being beat at some point. I can't play my poker that way though. There, I mean, this isn't the the big one for the little drop or whatever the hell it's called. Or... And this is why we like being in a limit, too. <laughs> yeah, because you're going to mitigate your losses by just betting eight or calling 16 or whatever at the end. So, um, But I don't I don't, I don't, don't play. There's no way I got kings full and I'm thinking I better worry about quads here. So I'm right. still betting. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. That was exactly the way it should have went down. So I guess we'll see what happens. River is the five of diamonds. Our final board is nine, nine, ten, king, five with... Um, Three clubs. Three clubs. Small blind checks. Um, and before we act, the other gun says, damn, that card just cost me the pot. The five of diamonds? That's what he says. How does the five of diamonds cost them? Maybe he meant the king of clubs? And he was... Three poker players with $10 each. And 
Maybe he meant the king of clubs. You know, maybe he said the king of clubs coughed in the pot, but he was saying it uh, late, like he was slow to say it or something. Because if I have a diamond, it can't cost anyone the pot, no matter what hand you have. This ought to be interesting. Uh, okay, well, I don't care what he said. Uh, so yeah, so uh, so what uh, what Phil says? Uh, do we bet and possibly cap it again here? And, uh, yeah, I, I'm right? probably I'm probably going to the end with it. Uh, plus, you know, I know you bought in for a couple of times a hundred, but you're up to five hundred. So clearly, you know, you'll probably get this money back if you, you know, keep playing the way you've been playing. So I I, I can't not maximize kings full of nines. You know, if an ace came on the end, yeah, I would consider just checking and or calling only, but. You know, yeah, straight flush beats us. So okay, so there's two hands that beat us now. Ugh. I just, I don't know. It's a lot of money out there, and one guy's really bad. The other guy's decent, but doesn't mean that he came out of the gates with nine nine and played the whole way this way. It'd be kind of a weird to play it this way. And if you hit quads, does he really stay aggressive? You know, on the flop. So that's that's something. Um, so I'm betting. I'm just gonna keep betting, and I guess now. Well, and here's the thing: unless the undergone, uh, of course, we don't have any idea what he means by that card. Just cost me the pot, but unless he's um, uh, some kind of weird misdirection, we know he's probably not going to raise now, right? So this is probably only going to, you know, we're only going to be able to get this last sixteen in. So if we're, uh, well, we're still not sure what the small sign has, but the bad player, so. Yeah, anyhow, so all right, you're right. I, I'm, I'm capping as well, too. Let's see what happens. Yeah. All right, all right, here with checks, thinking I might be able to get an extra two bets with a check raise and the other the gun bets. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, one, I don't think I can possibly check there after that comment. Because if the guy says, that cost me the pot, then he might think he lost. And if he thought he lost, then he won't bet. So we got to get a bet in. Right. Now, it didn't work out that way. It worked out that the guy bet, and he's probably saying some weird crap to try to throw you off, but I still think I'm betting in case he does want to fold here or just check it down because he thinks he lost somehow. So, I'm betting. I, I can't believe you got lucky with that, or maybe unlucky, depending on what happens yeah, at the end of this I, I mean, that's the thing here is, yeah, I mean, do we want to get really cute here on the river when we could, when we have the third nuts, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and if you look at it, it's possible that we, we could be the bronze medalist here. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine? Yeah. So yeah, I don't I don't think I want to get cute and try to check raise here. I mean I don't mind the check if you just think there's so much danger out there. Um, I, I think a bet is the right move, but uh, a check raise would be the the last of the options I'd be going for here. Yeah. All right, another gun bet, small blind calls, and back to us. Call. And our hero call. Is, <laughs> call. Yes, exactly. Call and end this thing and see what happens. There's a lot of money in there. Uh, but our hero wonders what he meant by cost me the pot. He says, the statement followed by a bet got me suspicious, so I just called. All right, that's the right thing to do there. Good, good. And, of course, he shows the quads and gets the $500 bonus for flop quads. Small blind shows ace-king. And, of course, I show my loser. All right, well, we weren't last. Ace-king? Are you well, kidding me? He's as a bad player, so. Wow. So he went the whole way with it before that turn and then hit the turn for a top pair top kicker and went the whole way with it to the end oh man put that guy in our game uh now our hero says i realized a second later that the pot to which he was referring was the bad beat jackpot all right that makes sense now doesn't make sense how does that five of diamonds cost him the bad beat well it could have been another uh his quad nines could have been beaten by a straight flush that's the bad beat well, that's true. Uh, I guess he was hoping that uh, 
to, to give you a better chance of it, uh, the board paired again than uh, you have a chance yeah. of quads over quads. So that's weird. And in that case, you would be the loser and get the bigger share of it. So I get that. But, uh, I guess. Well, yeah, but I'm not making that statement. I mean, that's a bad statement that made. Yeah, it occur. yeah, yeah. It cost himself money because we would have we would have capped it. Yeah, I mean, your your first goal in every pot is to win that pot. You know, yep. if you can get the bad beat or some other kind of promotional thing going on, that's great. But you know, your first goal is to get as much money because you can't count on having the bad or being bad beaten there, right? So, right. hmm. Um, all right, he says, uh, let's see. Uh, he said, at the time, I didn't know what he meant, but it raised my brow enough to save me 64 bucks. A non-player would say that I lost more than I should have. But if you look at the small blinds action, I think professional would call it a cooler. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, geez. I mean, all through this hand, we, we mentioned pocket nines being a possibility, but you couldn't be scared of it. So that's just unfortunate to happen. It's actually unfortunate that King came on the turn. Yeah, the we, turn is the cooler. Yeah. Yeah, we might have been able to save some money, at least save some money, or get out of this hand had that king not come. Yeah. But sorry, Phil. But I'll play with that ace king guy all day long. Yeah, so. I'll play the ace king forever. But uh, and it's weird how he played those quad nines. I mean, he kept playing them pretty strong the whole way. So he he didn't make you think you had quad nines. So that was hats off to that guy too. Although the so he played it good and he played it bad when you think about the end there. But uh, eh. hey, at least you made the show. That's always good, right? <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Locke. We'll see you at the tables. Anti Up is a production of AntiUpMagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at AntiUpMagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at AntiUpMagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. <laughs>